civilization, if you will, is it, it runs on what's funded. Where is the money going? What is the money funding and not funding? What is the government giving subsidies to and not subsidies to? Pipes and the mechanics of the financial system, we have to push them and change them so that they're funding the things we want them to fund and they're reducing the funding of the things that we don't want them to fund. Like I can get an electric car and that's cool. But if I can shift the flow of capital in our society, the impact is potentially more significant. Welcome to This Sustainable Life, Solve for Nature. Our guests are the heroes that are working to save our world from climate change, pollution, and the destruction of our natural world. We hear their stories and solutions and then offer them a chance to take on a challenge to make their own lives more joyful and fulfilling by exploring their values. We focus on awareness of the environment and action. Join us in building a community dedicated to living better sustainably. John, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat. Yeah, absolutely. You work for a company that I have been really excited about for a long time. You're the chief marketing officer there at uh, Ando Money, the yes. only banking service that invests 100% of users' deposits into carbon-reducing projects. That's right. Yeah, I remember first hearing about it from Jigger Shaw on the Energy Yang podcast and thinking that it's just the coolest idea. It wasn't even something that I'd ever thought could be a thing. I mean, most of the banks that we think about are, are very unsustainable and involved in a lot of fossil fuels. So let's let's just start with Ando Money. It's, it's a sustainable bank, but yep. what does that mean? What does it mean to have a sustainable bank? Yeah, it's a great question. And, it, you know, it's it's a really fascinating new concept. And, you know, we're happy, happy to have the opportunity to explain it to people. And, you know, <clears throat> in a nutshell, uh, as you pointed out, when people think about climate change, sort of the banking industry isn't the first thing that pops into their mind, right? Oh. There are a lot of other industries there or products or choices they can make that, that they think of. But as you mentioned, what Ando is in terms of sustainable banking is we all have some money in our bank account, right? It might be a little, it might be a lot. And we all know, generally speaking, that the way banks make money is they loan money out of the, as I say, the other side of the bank, right? Like we as consumers have checking and savings accounts. We have some money in there. And then the banks loan it out and they make interest and that's how they run. But largely the big, you know, Ando story is that no one thinks about where that money is being lent out to because right. it is your money, right? It's not the bank's money. It's your money that the bank is holding and they're lending it out to who knows where. And they don't check with you. Hey, we're going to lend your money out here, there, and there. Are you cool with that? That, that just doesn't <laughs> happen, right? And so various nonprofits like Rainforest Action Network, you know, I've given some, some thanks to them and, and, and other groups have pointed out that banks have been lending trillions, that's with a T, not a B, trillions mm -hmm. of dollars to the fossil fuel industry with customer deposits, money from you, me, our neighbor, our friend, you know, with our money to fund the fossil fuel industry. And so with this awareness, there have been some banks over the years who have said, hey, we're not cool with that. It's the classic divestment model. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have a bank where we're not going to lend money to the fossil fuel industry. So, th so that has been around for a couple of years. And we're just going to have the money sort of sitting in a neutral box, let's call it. So non-fossil fuel companies. What Ando has done in, in, in pushing that whole model forward is that, as you had mentioned with sustainable banking, instead of having our customer deposits in, you know, quote unquote, neutral loans and investments, all of our customer deposits that get lent out are lent to companies who are directly fighting climate change. 
right? right? And we do that through partner banks. So through community banks, credit unions, who often obviously have the best kind of relationship with a, with a local community. And they know smaller businesses, the easy example, you know, and these are some actual funds that, you know, that we've lent out is mm-hmm. like a veterinary clinic that's putting solar on, right? To, mm-hmm. to completely reduce their energy consumption or like a community clinic or a school or even, you know, a religious organization where we're not a religious group, but like, you know, if any entity that's trying to reduce their energy consumption, we're looking to lend money to them. So it's a fundamentally different model in that all of our customers, let's just, you know, use a round number. They have a thousand dollars in their, you know, their checking account. Mm-hmm. To the extent that we're doing something with that thousand dollars, it's directly fighting climate change every day while you're sleeping, while you're watching TV, while you're doing something, your bank account is actively fighting climate change. And so that's the fundamental piece of sustainable banking, but it is important the banking side of the house, right? You know, you don't want fees, you want a good bank account. And so we do talk about, you know, it's sustainable for you and your personal finances and your goals, whatever you're trying to accomplish, but also for the environment. Right. I think that's kind of an important piece of it because I think I have seen there are now a few banks maybe that are popping up and trying to do a similar kind of thing. But yeah. a lot of them I do kind of kind of look at and see kind of what what are the benefits for me? Like it's great that I love that yeah. my money is getting used for, you know, not fossil fuel things, but am I still going to get that like 1.5% back right. on my credit card? And those kinds of things, are there benefits for me too that I'm not going to lose, you know, from maybe another bank that is investing in fossil fuels? Yeah. And that's the, you know, there's an equally interesting to me story there just in, in the banking industry, right? And so we talk about the traditional banks, right? This is Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, and so forth. You know, they had these big branches and you know, big companies, right? And then, you know, some, some of your listeners may or may not know the term, which is neobanks, which are basically sort of internet only banks, right? That's like an ally or a SoFi and they mm-hmm. don't have branches. And when you don't have those branches, quick tangent on the economics, it means as a, as a bank, you have much lower overhead, right? You don't have to pay for all of the, the physical infrastructure of all those buildings and people working there and everything. Right. And so, you know, a number of years ago, the advent of neobanks came out. And what they were able to do because they have lower overhead is to have less fees. Because if you go out and you talk, like, as you said, you know, hey, I like my points and my cash back. But also what people hate in banking is account fees and, and overdraft fees. So you see neobanks like Chime, really centered in on this early on. And they said, hey, this is ridiculous. People who don't have much money in the bank are the ones paying the fees at the bank because they're mm-hmm. overdrafting or what have you. Sure. So they got rid of all that. So Ando, for example, you know, is in that same crowd. We have you know, no overdraft fees, no account fees. And you're actually starting to see some of the big banks, Capital One recently announced they're getting rid of overdraft fees because customers hate it. And it's really unfair in a lot of ways, you could argue socioeconomically that all of these overdraft fees are coming from people who aren't able to really have much money in their, their bank account. So it's ridiculous. Right. They're the ones getting hit with these terrible fees. So you, you want to have benefits so people feel good about the bank, but also sure. be able to fight climate change. We're trying to hit both sides of the house. Right. So you mentioned a couple of things that the money is getting invested in on the Ando money side. Is it mostly renewable energy projects? What what other kind of projects is that money going towards? Yeah, absolutely. So we are in our first year, you know, being live. So we we've got some things that, that we've already done, and then some things on the roadmap, if you will. And so in terms of the initial loan that we have already issued, right? They are live. The vast majority of them at the moment are for solar installations and you know conversion of energy consumption models. Um, but we are also starting to expand out to everything from regenerative farming to companies who are taking their building to get LEED certified and, mm-hmm. and, and so forth, to energy storage companies 
companies. And it's really fascinating because right now, one of the things we're doing when people join Ando is we just you know have them input a little bit of information about what they're interested in. And this has been one of the many fascinating topics for me as a chief marketing officer to dig into you know the mindsets of the different consumers because there's a lot of diversity. You know, some people are very interested in like uh, climate change innovation, you know, kind of deep tech innovation. Mm -hmm. And some people are very interested in their local community and local sustainability and public transportation or, you know, other aspects. So we're allowing customers to say, hey, I'm really interested in this, this and this. And then we're taking that feedback as we grow the company to think about where sort of the next round of loans, you know, should be deployed to. So yeah, that whole conversation of of who we're partnering with and what we're doing as we grow, we'll have more money to to fund those loans. So we'll have more opportunity to to diversify what we're doing. That's so cool. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. The fact that my money just wouldn't be used for fossil fuel for me is is just kind of the big thing, but I didn't even think about the fact that Maybe other people may not be interested in that portion of it, but if you have that data, you can kind of use that to kind of chart your path. Yeah, our, our roadmap is, again, we're a startup and we're very transparent about everything. It's you know one of our major goals. And so you know, in terms of our roadmap, if you will, as a company is we want to get to a point where people can say... You know, out of the the eight, let's just call it. You know, maybe we focus in on eight topics, right? So that some people may say, "Hey, I'm really interested in regenerative farming," or "I'm really interested in storage," and that we can get to a point where we can say, "Hey, all your deposits are directly fighting climate change," and we're fully transparent. In fact, on our website and in the app, whenever we fund a new loan, we write up a story. You know, kind of like a blog article. We call mm-hmm. it a story with the details, maybe some pictures or an interview with somebody who works there, which is really cool. But it's we're just we're funding these loans, and and as we grow we want to be able to say to individual consumers that someone says, hey, I'm really interested in this topic. And we say, well, you're now in a bucket of people where all their money is going to that topic, which, you know, we're excited to be able to expand and get to that point where we can do that. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Are you guys going to be doing that on like a regular basis? Is this something that when people sign up, they can kind of choose their interests or is it? Yeah, right right now when they sign up, they choose their interests and we're gathering that. Think of it as like market research almost. So right now when people sign up for Ando, we ask them what they're interested in. And Mm so now we're taking that data and when we think about, okay, six months from now, what types of loans should we be trying to loan up or uh, line up? We've got some data from the customers that say we're super interested in this topic. I really like that that whole concept. I wonder when you think about those different categories and things that got me thinking about other banks. And we've mentioned fossil fuels over and over right. again here, but are there other aspects of I don't know, money lending that's going into making the bigger banks unsustainable? What is it other than fossil fuels? Yeah, you know, there are other, let's call it cause-oriented or impact banks who, for example, just some, you know, some other issues around economic justice or are the, you know, are the banks, for example, loaning to communities of of every shape and size and economic Mm -hmm. status and so forth. You know, there are some banks, for example, who may say, for example, we're not going to lend money to like the gun industry or, you know, one or two other industries where people are passionate about them, Mm -hmm. you know, for one reason or another. Yeah, there, there have always been a handful of banks like that. And there have always been 
uh, for example, cause marketing, right? Like we're not a cause marketing model, but you know, for years you could get a credit card where like 1% went to the, the Sierra club or something like that. You know, in, in, in some ways we're sort of an evolution of that to, you know, a much more significant model, but yeah, there are other banks that, that benefit other cause, but we really believe that the model that we have, it has sort of more leverage, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a big power in divestment, right? There's a really cool history of divestment of individuals or companies saying, we're going to pull our money out of that industry. But like mm-hmm. we were saying earlier, it really just pulls it out of, a, of an industry. It's, it's a lot harder to take that second step and put it somewhere where it's directly fighting the thing that you're, you're trying to move the needle on. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's like a one-two punch. There are a lot of one punches out there. Uh-huh. There aren't so many one-two punches like we're doing. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know if you're willing to name any specific names of banks or anything like that. But if people wanted to find that information, is there some kind of place that people could go to see, I don't know, maybe a ranking of banks that score well in sustainability and ones that don't, which are which are like the big banks that we need to be most worried about if our money is in? Right. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, you can, I'll I'll name a few for sure, but also you can just Google like sustainable banking or banking and fossil fuels and you'll get a a lot of great results. I'd mentioned earlier the Rainforest Action Network. Uh, You know, if you just Google Rainforest Action Network banking, they publish a report every year, very in-depth report. It's like, you know, 90 pages. You don't have to read all 90. They have a really Mm -hmm. nice summary at the front (laughs) that tells you things. And they go through all of the banks, you know, the top 10 banks, and then actually like a hundred, you know, the next hundred banks and how much money they are lending to the fossil fuel industry. So they're a really good resource. And there's some other nonprofits, but um, that that, that list that out. And then there are a number of, you know, new sites and just the last couple of years of whether it's bloggers or small climate change activists who have websites. So there's one, for example, bank.green, which just came up in the last year. And they're doing exactly what you said, where they're listing out, hey, what are the financial aspects? Like, do you have rewards? Are there fees for this? You know, is it checking and savings account? So they give you all the the the, the data on the, the offering, if you will, you know, from mm-hmm. the financial side of the house. And then they talk about the sustainability side of the house. And you're just, as you say, like, you know, they put them side by side and yes, mm-hmm. no, yes, no to, to this feature, that feature. So yeah, there are a handful of sites out there now that, that increasingly will help people do that research, which is great. Yeah, definitely. Does does Ando money make the list? <laughs> we do. <laughs> of course. You know, it's great. It's it's such an interesting time, right? Because we are growing. As I said earlier, mm-hmm. there's things that, that we have on our roadmap that we haven't been able to, you know, finish building yet. We're like halfway building it. We're excited to, to roll out. So we'll be like a lot of these content creators or organizations may reach out to us and they say, hey, we're doing a ranking here and we want to double check that we have this info correct, right? Mm-hmm. That's really cool of them. And, and, you know, so we'll actually get to know them and say, yeah, this is correct, but this one thing we're launching next month. Mm-hmm. And then they take that into consideration. So, yeah, so we've been on some of those rankings. And the funny thing is, is we get great feedback from them too, you know, because they're studying this whole thing. So they may say to us, hey, it's great. It's great to know, you know, meet you guys. And there's no like pay to play thing in these, you know, there's, there's never, hey, we'll, we'll pay you some money and we'll be higher on the page or something like that. They don't do right. that. They say, hey, this is great. And we just wanted to let you guys know from our analysis, something that's really important that you guys are missing is this. So we, you know, it's just great feedback. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the hardest parts that I think about when I think about people and and how they use banks is that a lot of people just get really, really set in their bank. They've used the same bank for years and years and years, and they feel like it's reliable and it's kind of the safe thing with ando money it feels like there are these benefits of like yeah no no fossil fuels and all that kind of thing but is there a 
downside? What's the downside? Is there anything that Ando Money is not doing as well as some of the big banks that might have the funds? Yeah, you know, as, as we've been saying, this whole conversation is so fascinating, right? Because there's the climate change side of the house, but then there's the financial services and banking side of the house, which is in an enormous state of flux, right? And and you can unpack all sorts of pieces here, right? So you can look at consumer behavior of millennials, and there's tons of market research reports, or Gen Z, or, or Gen X, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And as we were saying earlier, there's a big shift in banking from the traditional banks to, to neo or online banks or digital banks. Mm-hmm. But as, as you mentioned, for example, when you look in the market research, something like a third of people, the reason they use their bank is because their parents use that bank. Like right. that's the beginning and the end of the thought process. There's no actual like brand loyalty or anything like that. But what's fascinating right now is traditionally everybody had a bank, right? You had a bank and you did everything there. And then maybe over time you had like, maybe you got an E-Trade account or, or something for investments, right? Mm-hmm. But flash forward to 2022 and just don't even think bank, just think fintech apps, and how many apps do we have on our phone, right? right. It's like, you have a bank, you, you probably have PayPal, which we don't think of it, but you know, that's a, that's a FinTech app. It's a payment app. But you have Venmo, right? Maybe right. you have like an E-Trade or a Vanguard or, or, or a Robinhood. Maybe you have your 401k somewhere. Maybe you've gotten into crypto and you have Coinbase or something else there. So right. for people who geek out on consumer behavior, most people now have like eight FinTech apps huh. and you know, they're deciding how they, they want to use it. With Ando, to, to your question of, you know, are, are they missing anything? Um, the first questions people ask is like, are you sort of a normal, you know, banking operation with FDIC insurance, which we absolutely are, you know, all, all of that is kind of industry standard. The main thing is we don't have branches, like we were saying earlier, like an ally or a SoFi. That is honestly the biggest difference is that we don't have branches. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating because lots and lots of people in the market research now, you know, will say, yeah, we don't care. I don't need a branch, but there are still plenty of people who are like, no, I like having a branch. So that, honestly, that's the biggest headline is we don't have branches. Yeah. I was kind of thinking about that. Like, how often do I actually go to a branch? Especially now post-COVID. Yeah. And can I do everything online that I could do at a branch? Yeah. And, you know, the, the two or three things people quickly come to is, you know, can I get money out of a, out of an ATM? And the answer to that is yes. Again, similar to all the other neobanks, there's the, you know, there, there are these common networks of ATMs where you can get money. The other big one is, 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 uh, is depositing a check, right? But in the mm-hmm. last couple of years, all the banks have come out with great mobile apps and technology to deposit a check. If, you know, for some of your listeners, maybe do it all the time or haven't quite done it yet, where you just mm-hmm. take pictures of your check. I mean, it's the most fascinating process, but for myself, even before I was working at Ando, I don't think I went to my bank branch in two or three years because I, I do all the check deposits, you know, on my on my smartphone. That's a big thing. You know, what do you go to the bank for to deposit a check and maybe to get some cash? Yeah, definitely. And when it comes to the app too, you mentioned the app. When I was looking at the website, the app does actually look like it's a pretty nicely made, well-rounded app. <clears throat> oh yeah, I mean, we we you know we um. You know, kudos to the team. We largely built it in-house, you know, with our great team, which is you know, a huge group effort, right? To build an app, you got to have the, the 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 creatives, the art directors, the, the UX folks, the copy, the engineers, you know, everything. And uh, we've really, our, our goal is to have the app as good as any other banking app, um, mm-hmm. you know, and where possible, a little bit better. So yeah, we, we've worked really hard on, on developing an app that's easy to use and, and gives you everything you would expect in a banking app. Yeah. And not only that, I feel like it really helps with that transparency aspect that you were talking about too, because it's not just banking functionality. It's actually giving you some of that information on where your money's going. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, within the banking app, we show how much the entire Ando community, you know, how much carbon we have reduced, if you will, you know, right in there. And and similar to what we were talking about earlier, we've got all, it's, you know, what we call the impact center. We've got lots of cool things we're working on now. They're going to roll out, you know, into the impact center over the next six months. Man, it must be so cool to work with a team that is so dedicated to this cause. Do you find that most of the people on the team are like really passionate about climate change or, or is it more just like, we're just trying to make something cool? Yeah. You know, it's, it's all of that. You know, what's amazing is just the diversity of everybody. Right. And <clears throat> because some people, they definitely want to make something cool, but and they're passionate about climate change, but they just kind of think about it one way. And then, it, you know, people are p- passionate about different aspects of climate change. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we see some of that diversity, which is really cool. And then the other thing that I've really enjoyed, one of the reasons I was, I was excited, honestly, to take this job is it's, it's not just sort of the team within Ando, but it's the, you know, the other companies that we partner and we work with, whether that's sort of on the tech side or on like the content creation partner side or, mm-hmm. or you you know, as well, right? This is a perfect example is, you know, I'm getting to just meet so many interesting people who are working on sustainability from different angles. And that's been equally fun to, you know, jam in on creating great product with the internal team as well. You know, both are really great. Yeah. I was looking at some of your your past positions there and you've worked with a lot of really, really big name brands, Hugo Boss and yep. L'Oreal, Volcom, Oakley, Warner Brothers. You, right. you worked on a lot of really, really big brands that pretty much everybody knows. What was it about Ando money that, that made you go like, oh, this is, this is what I want to do next? Yeah. Good, good question. You know, I've always been very interested in kind of the social impact companies. You know, the companies that have kind of, you know, I, I, I've worked with for pro- or for nonprofit companies a lot over the years as well on, on digital marketing and media and so forth. And, and that's just so fun to create, you know, social campaigns about whatever that issue is. But I've always wanted to kind of cover the whole field, if you will, and also mm-hmm. work with for-profit brands who are just doing amazing things in creating a community, creating product, creating culture, and sort of find the marriage of the two. So between my career, I've, I've zigged and zagged kind of, you know, back and forth through a variety of things. And Ando has kind of part of this sweet spot of doing something that's entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and, you know, FinTech has a lot of uh, innovation going on in it now. And to have that impact side of the house, you know, climate change has been something that has been near and dear to my heart. You know, I graduated college in the nineties and, and at that time I was trying to get a job in something that, that helped, um, impact the environment. Right. But I'm not, the thing about it is it's so interesting when you want to get involved in climate change is I'm not an engineer and I'm not a marine biologist and, you know, and I'm, and, 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 and I'm not a sort of a hard science background and that's what climate change needs a lot of, right. You know, they're, they're, those are like the, the majority of the contributions, you know, to really get into the science on things. Mm-hmm. And so, but there's also consumer products, right. Across a variety of industries in particular right now that are coming out that are, that are so interesting. And so for me, the CEO of Ando, JP McNeil, I, I've known for 15 years and actually met many years ago at a company that was developing software for nonprofits. So we've known each other for 15 years and have a similar mindset about really trying to do cool, innovative things that, you know, or, or, or make a positive impact too. So that was one of the other elements of, of joining Ando is, you know, knowing the leadership team and being able to, to jump in and hit the ground running. But it really comes down to like, how do we marry innovation and social impact? Like that's, that's, that's what got me excited. Sure. Yeah. I think one of my, my favorite quotes is that, that every job is a climate job now, because pretty much every industry out there mm. 
has to get to net zero. It doesn't matter yeah. if you're, you know, a science and engineering based company, right? Every single company out there has got to get to net zero eventually. And yeah. so no matter what job you're working at, whatever company you're working at, you've got to be helping us get to net zero. Yeah. And you bring up a fascinating point, right? Like this is one of the things that is so interesting to talk about. I, a couple of months ago, I went to, there's, there's a, a trade group that's been around, uh, I don't know how long, but at, at least 10 years, more than 10 years called Sustainable Brands, right? And it's a trade group that is, is facilitating people at brands that are, are trying to have a sustainable element to them to, you know, have community and, and have conferences and idea exchange and thought leadership and all this stuff. And so, and even with COVID, I, you know, they, they had a, a conference a couple of months ago that was part in person, part virtual, obviously, but it was in San Diego. So it's mm -hmm. where I'm located. And one thing I can share with you and, and, and some of your listeners too, is we heard a lot of brand mainstream brands, like, you know, Amazon is there and Microsoft is there and some, you know, kind of niche brands like a Patagonia is mm -hmm. not, Patagonia is not really niche, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, big brands like Amazon and then like sure. medium-sized brands, let's call it, that are there. And I can't tell you how, you know, how many brands right now have things in the pipeline that maybe haven't been released to the public yet. Like they're, mm -hmm. they're working on them now, but they're planning, you know, maybe the summer or this fall to, to roll out. The amount of campaign new product offerings that that have a sustainability element to them mm -hmm. is, is it, there's a snowball coming like a, an absolute snowball coming down the, the the mountain of lots of brand experiences new products that are going to be much more sustainable i mean you can look at the automotive industry you know as, as one sliver of it but just in, in in fashion um you know all across retail all sorts of products Brands are, are trying to become more sustainable, as you had mentioned, you know, in, Intuit is in town here and, and I'm friends with the uh -huh. chief sustainability officer at Intuit. Yep. Uh, you know, they've been working for years to make sure <clears throat> that everything is sustainable as possible. And then whatever is sort of not that they are absolutely offsetting that. And right. so you're right. You know, you can look in the Wall Street Journal these days and there are, are you know, which people will say, hey, that's a conservative paper, but you'll, you, you'll see stories about the massive uptick in companies that are that are trying to become carbon neutral. Very exciting. So you had mentioned that climate change was something that is near and dear to your heart. It sounds like the environment is something that is pretty meaningful to you. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's absolutely. And, and, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier and it's, you know, it's like kind of where does that come from and how have things changed over the years and, and, and so forth. But, you know, my parents definitely, you know, I remember back in, you know, I'm, you know, in the neighborhood of 50. And so I was a kid in the seventies and, you know, we recycled back then. Right. And, right. and I grew up in New Jersey, right. Which is a funny state okay. to grow up in. Cause you know, they call it the garden state. A lot of people are like, why do they call it the garden state? But it actually is, you know, there, there's, there's a, a lot of farms in New Jersey and we lived in just a regular kind of small suburban house, but we had a farm and a garden and, you know, in the, in the backyard, we recycled, you know, and we were always kind of mindful of, of the environment. And then, you know, coming through college and that was, you know, frankly, that was right when Al Gore's book came out and, uh -huh. and, and I read that. And, you know, read some other things and, and caught my attention early on. And so I've been looking for opportunities to, to get involved for many, many years. And like I said, I've come in and out of it. And I, you know, I've spent the majority of my adulthood following a, a vegetarian or vegan diet, which is uh -huh. a, you know, a huge topic in the oh, sustainability wow. world. And yeah, so it's always been something that's interesting to me. And, and I also, you know, I got certified as a scuba diver when I was 15 years old and I got my scuba uh, dive master certification in my 20s. 
And so I follow and read a lot about the state of the coral reefs, you know, around the world too. It's just something that, you know, that I'm particularly interested in. And so, you know, you, you get on these threads of like what you're interested in in the world and how it may be impacted by, you know, climate change. Like I have friends who want to climb Kilimanjaro before the snow is gone. Like that's a crazy thing to, you know, it's, it's a crazy thing to say, like, what do you mean the snow is gone? And then you learn about that topic and the snow in Kilimanjaro is disappearing. So, you know, people get interested, I think, in, in something that relates specifically to them and, and they see change happening now. It's just something we talk about at Ando all the time. Like climate change is sort of this thing in the public consciousness of, of you know, there's this first level of like, I believe in it or I don't believe in it. And then there's, you know, I believe in it, but like, when is it going to happen? But really, if you talk to anybody who's active in climate change, it, it started happening already. You look out your window, you can see it. And so that's that, you know, as a scuba diver, that's a... a a big point of view because you can go around the world right now and see the impact of climate change. Like it's not 20 years in the future. It started years ago. Right. Yeah. You gave me a couple of threads there that I'm, that I'm really, really interested. You just threw them out there, but like the aspects of, of growing up on a farm, I, I feel like that is a, an experience that is more and more rare these days, but how, how was that like? What, what kind of farm was it? Well, yeah. And let me create, I didn't grow up on a farm, but we, we had a farm basically, you know, a hundred yards from us. Like okay. we, I grew up in kind of a, you know, a small suburban house. Uh -huh. We had a, a, a fairly large garden, you know, in the, in the, in the backyard that, that we worked on all summer. And then, and then behind the garden, there was a, like a Creek. And then across on the other side of the Creek was actually a farm, you know? So they, I was trying to, you know, talk about New yeah, Jersey yeah. is funny because they call it the garden state. And, you know, people think of New York when they think of New Jersey, a lot of sure. times, you know, if you will, but, but, but New Jersey's full of farms, you know, wow. absolutely. And so, yeah, just, you know, growing up the environment and we did a lot of camping, you know, uh -huh. we just did a lot of outdoor sports. And then you start to read and learn that, um, you know, some of the things we're doing are hurting and, and compromising nature. And it just, just really grabbed my attention early on. Yeah. I imagine, especially as somebody who's into scuba diving, you've probably seen some changes since you were 15. And now when you go in the ocean, I imagine if you've gone to some of the same places you went back then, then they've probably changed quite a bit. Yeah. And that, that is, you know, I am at a point in my life now where that's exactly it. Right. You know, there are places that I went diving 20, 25 years ago that I have memories of, and I can go back now. And there are also places, for example, we recently went to Fiji, right. Which is, you know, you go to a place like Fiji and it's really fascinating because it's just classic international travel, right. You get out of the United States, which, you know, we've got this echo chamber of politics in the United States and you just get out and you're like, and you realize, oh my God, like there are whole different just kind of vibes about how people talk about politics and everything. And you, you go to Fiji and the number one political issue is climate change. And what are we going to do about it? Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not a, a left, right issue. And it, it, you know, everyone there is, is thinking about it because they have communities that have been on, you know, certain islands within the, the, the nation for hundreds or, or thousands of years. And the water is getting higher there. They're starting to move villages already in Fiji, right? That's, you know, getting back to you know this point. And there are certain places that I am diving now that I, that I want to go dive at. I mean, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. We can do a lot about climate change, but at the same time, I'm going to dive at places that I think aren't going to be the same 10, 15 years from now. 
to see them. And, and, and hopefully they, they can be the same, but, but if they're not the same, it's also, I know now it's going to be really interesting for me to see it today and then see it 10 years from now. Because yeah, I mean, the coral ecosystem is in a lot of ways, you know, it's, it's an overused cliche, like the canary in the coal mine type of mm-hmm. thing, but they're so fragile to both, you know, the temperature of the water, but the acidity and, and just whatever happens to be coming into the water. Mm-hmm. And so absolutely, you know, you can just see right in front of your eyes, something that has has bleached and died at a massive scale, right? I mean, you just read any article about the Great Barrier Reef, you know, off of Australia, and you talk to a scientist and you know, these aren't small events. These are events of like miles and miles and miles of a living organism dying. Right. And we know exactly why it's dying, you know, so they're, they're big topics. I wonder when you're in the water and actually seeing those kinds of things, how does that make you feel? Yeah, it's a great question because for me, how it makes me feel is, you know, honestly, very thoughtful. Like it's not shocking to me because I know it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like a big surprise. Like, oh my God, what's, you know, it's not. So for me, it just makes me very thoughtful, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that I'll call out that's interesting relative to this whole conversation is, you know, when I started at Ando, like I read a lot of market research, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of the market research is like, you know, how does Gen Z use TikTok, right? Like that, right. <laughs> those are what all the reports are, are about. And so we did some of our own research about what are everybody's attitudes about climate change. And it kind of comes back to this message I've, I've said a couple of times is there's a lot of diversity in how people think about climate change, right? Mm-hmm. And so your question of like, how do I feel when I, I see some bleached coral? I'm not surprised and I'm, I'm kind of thoughtful about it and, it and it gives me motivation to do other things. But I also recognize the fact that other people, like there's a range of emotions about climate change. Some people are, are really depressed and sad about it. Some people mm-hmm. are really angry, like angry, like I want to punch a wall about it. Mm-hmm. Like it's so obvious, why aren't we doing something about it? Some people are inspi- kind of inspired in a really optimistic standpoint, like, you know, recognizing like I'm looking at something that's bad and then thinking about innovation, right? right. And so that's one of the things that, that's also super interesting that, that I've really been steeped in the last six months is the variety of mindsets about climate change and how can we tap into them? Like there's just so much sort of stereotyping in the world. And it's like, if you're into climate change, well, this is what you think, but that's not the case. There's like 10 different ways to be thinking about it. And it's, it's like for everybody, well, which one of those ways are you? And then how can we connect with you? So anyway, I've learned kind of what my way is relative to other folks. And for me, it kind of serves as a source of motivation to do things. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm hearing as you talk about it. I'm not hearing like fear or anything too big emotionally, but I'm hearing concern and maybe a little bit of of motivation and and the desire to act. Yeah. That's true. Everything you're saying is true. I've done a lot of thinking, you know, frankly, in the, in the last six months about this exact question and I've come to the conclusion recently to, to you know, to be optimistic, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're you're more effective at fighting this issue if you are optimistic, right? And there's a whole like bunny hole we could go down about just, you know, mindsets, right? And, right. and, and so forth. And it's interesting, like we're working with, with Alex Honnold, the, you know, the, the climber from Free Solo is our sort of first spokesperson at, at Ando. And it's been fascinating getting to know him because he's got an optimistic mindset and he has a foundation that's doing all sorts of interesting things to, to fight climate change. But he travels the world, right? And so he, you know, we were talking about killing the jar on the snow. And and, and he's actually next year going to be filming, you know, a new series of, about traveling the world and and exactly connecting some of the dots here. Uh, areas of the world that are experiencing climate change today, not like hypothetically 20 years from now, but it, it's right here. Point the camera at it. Like that's mm-hmm. it. But he's doing that because he's optimistic that awareness leads to action, which leads to innovation, which leads to change. So I think it's a really important message, especially when you look at Gen Z. And I don't know if you've read some of this, but 
and millennials as well. I mean, everybody, I don't mean to point out, you know, one generation or another, but sure. you know, a lot of people are really, you know, I will use the word anxious and depressed mm-hmm. about climate change. A, a large kind of portion, mm-hmm. especially of, of younger people are, you know, have a lot of anxiety and to the point of sort of apathy, right? Like mm-hmm. there, there are research projects now that are studying that they're, you know, they're kids in college who legitimately are thinking about why am I even here? Why don't I just drop out? Like climate change is so bad and the future that I'm preparing for, like, isn't going to happen. Like a different future is going to happen. And why am I even bothering going to college? Like, that's a really dangerous mindset to have at scale. I'm not talking about like a, a few fringe people think this. A lot of people have this, you know, mindset that's slipping yeah. into, you know, can we really actually do anything? Why bother? And it's super important to stay away from that. Yeah, I heard I heard a statistic. I can't remember what the number was, but it was a large number of of the younger generation that is actually actively deciding not to have children just because they don't want their kids to be born into this world that they're imagining with climate change. I think that people believe that that's sort of a fringe thought. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's like double digit percentages mm-hmm. of younger people. It's not like 2% of people think that it's yeah. like, I don't have the exact number, but I'm telling you, it's like 25% of people. Yeah. Know. It's definitely larger than you would think it would be. So now what I'm hearing out of you is I'm hearing that thoughtfulness, that concern, but also some hope that we can do something about it. So I wonder if based on those feelings, thinking about those feelings that you have and the feelings that you have when you're seeing those coral reefs that are bleached. This is totally optional, but is there something that you can think of that you could do to act on those feelings? It doesn't have to be the biggest thing or the most important thing. I'm not asking you to solve climate change overnight. It's just about having something that's meaningful to you, something that you would like to do and you would enjoy doing. Yeah. Gosh, I might talk for 10 minutes right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll try not to because <laughs> I do think about this, you know, a lot, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I am very thoughtful about the food that I eat. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's fascinating the impact that that can have. And so I am always sort of recalibrating, right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what I eat and, and how that aligns with, with what I'm trying to do. So that is, that's sort of an ongoing thing, but something that's new for me, you know, to your point, is and, and it, it does get back to to diving, but but in a really interesting way, is that there's a lot of work right now going into coral planting, right? Which is sort of you know kind of a new thing and just a, a, a wild thing too. And I've, I've I've now seen it, right? You know you can see it on YouTube, but, but sure. now I've like been at places. You know one one of the places we I guess I'll you know give a, a shout out to that we've stayed at is the, the Jean Michel Cousteau Eco Resort. You know in, in Fiji, uh-huh. and they're just kind of as you would guess, right from the name, very integrated. And when you stay there, they have they have trips where you can help plant mangroves. You can go to to coral planting and everything. And I don't know much about sort of the science of of coral planting, mm-hmm. and so it's a commitment that that I have been thinking you know about, and I'll, I'll kind of respond to your question of of making a commitment to to actually learning more about that. Like I've actually participated in it, but I'm not actually <laughs> clear how it works too, in terms of some of the science, like some of it I understand, some of it I don't. And so I've really wanted to close the loop on understanding like how that works, how that doesn't work and, and get more involved in that because it's, it's you know, the, the coral reefs can get bleached and can die in a matter of days, right? Sure. But it takes like 10, 20, 30 years for them to grow. And so it's a really smart thing right now for us to start planting a lot of it. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I wonder, I wonder if there was anything that you could do to actually tie that to 
some kind of additional action. Like it would be great to learn more, but I wonder, yeah. we find that then, if you and then, actually and then participate in yeah, it. Yeah. Like yeah, actually exactly. we're able to, to get your hands in there and actually do something yourself. It can, it can have a different level of, of satisfaction. I wonder totally. if there's anything like that, that, that you could participate in or some way that you could contribute to that. Yeah. I mean, increasingly you can go and volunteer on, you know, dive expeditions where that's what you're doing. You know, uh -huh. you're not sort of swimming around and looking at beautiful fish, but you're uh -huh. like, you're working, you're actually down because they, they create, they, you know, they, they put these metal grates down there and, you know, you know, it's, it, you know, the, the, there's work to it, right. They, uh -huh. they, uh, they have the, you know, the shoots, if you will, that they're, they're bringing to a certain stage and then, you know, they have to be attached to the grates and taking care of all that stuff. So that's, that's one thing that I have been thinking about doing because I have the skills to, you know, be down underwater and to, yeah. to be there for a while and get that work done and buoyancy control and all that. So yeah, that's really what I meant to say is like to learn more so that I can actually make a bigger contribution to going on dives where that's what you're doing. You're just doing right. that work. Yeah. I wonder, it, we can think about a longer time frame if you wanted to, but I <laughs> wonder if we could set like a, a time frame that for you to actually get out there and, and volunteer to do it like within a yeah. year or two years or something like that would you be willing to commit to doing something like that yeah absolutely i mean that's an easy commitment for me because i want to do it it's <laughs> super interesting yeah <laughs> you know and there, it, it's just really cool too because it's kind of a new thing and so you see it more and more around the world you know various kind of dive locations and areas mm -hmm. that there's people studying it. There's groups doing it. Nonprofits are popping up like local conservation groups are popping up that are really putting a lot of energy into that. Great. Okay. So our, our next step then is to just make this a smart goal. I don't know if you ever heard of smart goals, yeah. but specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time bound. So what are you going to do by when, how long are you going to do it? Those kinds of things. So what do you, what would you like to do? What would, what are you thinking? Yeah. You know, I would, well, I would, I would love to, to volunteer and do, you know, some real, let's call it hours of, mm -hmm. of you know, of, 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 of work right on that. I think the question for me on the kind of the smart goal is where, you know, which location, sure. because there are, you know, a variety of options to go do that. And so that, that's something that I just need to decide. But there are, like I said, there's a lot of places now where you can go and you just, you know, you just plan, you just call them ahead and, and you just volunteer. It's like volunteering anywhere else. It's the craziest thing. You can go volunteer and plant coral. And so it's just a, for me, it's just a matter of deciding which location. Okay. But it, cool. You know, I'll probably be able to, you know, I'm already thinking about something this summer, right? It's January now, almost February. So this summer. So could we say like one volunteer coral planting sometime within 2022 would that be oh totally a reasonable yeah. challenge absolutely great yeah absolutely because i know you're you're um you know you're working with uh, your guests to, to get these challenges lined up so, so or commitments and uh, yeah i'd love to throw that in there because it's it's sort of an unusual one right awesome i'd love to hear how it goes how long do you think it'll be until you've you've been able to do it and then also kind of process the meaningful experience that you've had? I mean, I think I can do it this year, but the, you know, the experience is wild because it's so new, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, will you be able, or will I, you know, will anybody who's, who's getting involved in coral planting, you know, be able to go back in 10 years and see it. Right. And sure. it's like any other plant. It's like planting trees and things, you know, a storm, you know, a, a huge storm may come through and impact stuff, but that's, 
that's okay, right? It's it's nature, right? You got to mm-hmm. plant ten things and then seven of them make it, right? I mean, that's right. that, okay. That's that's how things are. But yeah, it would be really cool to come back to somewhere 10, 15, 20 years. Or you know, my daughter is 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 certified in Scooby now too. Oh, cool. And you know, think about how great that is. you know people have been doing that for years, right? Like let's plant a tree together and then and then you, and then you see it thirty years from now and it's, sure, you know, it's a great like kind of parent kid you know activity to do. Uh, but now you can do that with coral. Like imagine being you know uh, one of your your kids to be able to come back 30 years and be like, I planted that with my, my parents, you know? Yeah. And, and here it is and it's here and, you know, not everybody has the opportunity to go to somewhere and do that type of activity. I want to be mindful of that. And then sort of at the same time to realize that, 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 you know, that, that coral is, is not only is it a living you know thing, but it, it is working to clean the oceans and, and, and to clean the earth. And, it's really, I will tell you a whole nother tangent, you know, you're learning <laughs> from me. I could go on 27 tangents, but they call them the, you know, the blue nature-based solutions in terms of fighting climate change. Right. And there's, there's fascinating things. Not only, you know, the coral is playing its role, but then you look at the mangroves, right? That it's intricately connected to a lot of coral. And then, you know, on California, where we are, you look at kelp and things like that and what they're learning about its role in, in fighting climate change. And so just as easily, you know, going and helping them plant, you know, kelp is an incredible thing now to do that, that absorbs much more carbon than a land-based tree that, that we're increasingly learning. So, you know, any of these types of activities are great. Planting great. trees, planting mangroves, planting kelp, planting coral, plant, plant whatever you can, really. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So would you be willing to come on a second time sometime in the future yeah. to just talk about the experience? Maybe if we said... August or September, something like that. Would you be able to have uh, gotten out there once? Yeah, I will warn you. I'm a terrible underwater photographer and videographer. I mean, like I'm very good at the diving, and I'm and I'm a total amateur on the uh, you know on the camera work. <laughs> Not a problem. We would just want to hear about the experience, <laughs> right? Fair Had the words to explain. Yeah. So if we aim for sometime around, what do you think? August, September ish, somewhere. Yeah. Hopefully, I can do that over the summer. Great. So maybe I'll aim to reach out again sometime, maybe about August, and we can schedule for a second talk to see how it went. That sounds good. That sounds good. John Hartman, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything that I didn't think to mention or ask that you wanted to tell the listeners? No, this this whole thing is great. I mean, the, the, we've been talking about you know financial services, and one of the things that we talk about internally is follow the money, right? The interesting thing about climate change, again, like in talking to people, is like if you're just, I'll just say, like standard normal person living a standard normal life, whatever that means, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a handful of things that you can do to help fight climate change. It's not a long like what we've learned from people is the perception is look, you know, everybody's busy, right? Like everybody's busy, money's tight for a lot of people, right? And you can want to fight climate change, but you can't, you know, you can't like quit your job and, 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 and go live in a tree. We've really learned that we have to, you know, work with everybody recognizing like normal daily life and pressures of life and people have kids and school and things. And that the list of things that people can do who are passionate about climate change, is like, Hey, you know, I've reduced my plastic. Maybe I've gotten, you know, a hybrid car, an electric car, whatever I can do based on my age and whatever I'm doing, but the list of things that people want to do is short. It's mm-hmm. like five things that you can do. And we've really found a great response as people learn that there's a sixth thing you can do. There's a seventh thing that you can do. There's an eighth thing that you can do. And sustainable banking is, is adding to that list, right? It's a new thing on the list and people are excited about that. But what's really, you know, to, to wrap all this up that's powerful is 
our civilization, it, it runs on what's funded. Like, where's the capital? Where is the money going? What is the money funding and not funding? What is the government giving subsidies to and not subsidies to, right? And so in fighting climate change, we've really got to look at money and where is money being allocated and not allocated. And, you know, the CEO of BlackRock, which is, you know, a big financial firm has been in the news a lot lately talking about sustainability and this, that this massive shift in the financial system is happening and needs to happen that rewires. Like when you think about, like people talk about, we need a new electrical grid because the more sustainable grid requires the you know uh, you know it, it requires upgrades to exist think about that same thing with the financial system like just the, the the pipes and the mechanics of the financial system we have to push them and change them so that they're funding the things we want them to fund and they're reducing the funding of the things that we don't want them to fund like that's where like I can get an electric car and that's cool and that does what it does but if I can shift the flow of capital, in our society, the impact is potentially more significant. So that's that's kind of my, and that's not sort of an ando plug. That's a, everybody think about that plug, follow the money. Where's the money going and what is it funding and what is it not funding and how can we change that? Thank you very much. Where can we go to learn more about ando money or if you have social media or anything like that that you want to share? Yeah, it's where andomoney.com. And all our, you know, all our social media handles are on there. You can find Ando Money on, you know, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. We are ramping things up. And I will tell you one, I said last thing, but I'll, I'll tell you one last, last, last thing <laughs> is on TikTok because it, it dovetails what we're talking about. What we're doing on TikTok is just publishing optimistic innovations in climate change. And it's just like a, a channel for cool innovations, cool projects, cool companies, cool content creators that are doing optimistic things about climate change. So if you need a daily dose of that, you know, check it out. Fantastic. I did just join TikTok recently after after fighting it for very, 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 very long. So I'll, I'll definitely check it out. John Hartman, thank you so much. Thank you, Eugene, as well. And uh, thanks for everybody listening. I actually recently looked into sustainable banks since when I came back to the US, I needed to establish a bank all over again, and the big banks were all dripping in fossil fuel money. Ando money was one of the first that came up, and it's great how good it feels to know your savings aren't funding Exxon, Mobil, or BP. I find that it's really important to examine every aspect of your life, from the food you eat, the products you buy, the way you get around, and this is just one other aspect that you can take control of to align your life with your values. Does your heart tell you you want to be putting money into the oil industry that pollutes and is the primary driver of climate change? Probably not. Making sure your money is going to the right things is just another way to rid yourself of guilt and embrace a happier, healthier lifestyle. Changing banks is a tough thing to do. We like using the ones we're used to, but I think you're going to find that adding Ando to your financial mix is going to be an overall positive action in your life. So give it a think. Until next time. Hey guys, Eugene here from Verdant Growth and host of This Sustainable Life, Solve for Nature. I've been doing this podcast for a few months now, and I could use some help. I just don't have the time to edit episodes like I did during the pandemic, and I've had to hire an editor. 
I don't have enough to pay them for as many episodes as I'd like to do per month. If you're interested in supporting me and my podcast, try donating, one time or monthly. Even one dollar helps. I love doing this show, but I can't do it as much as I'd like without your help. If you can't donate, just hit that subscribe button or tell your friends. Me and the rest of the world could use your help. Let's work together to make this planet we call home a great place through sustainability. Thank you.